Hey, Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cavs. Coming up on today's show, we have Justin Rowan on to talk about some Cavs What If stuff. It's actually the second time we've had to record this because I am an imbecile and messed up the audio somehow the first time. But Justin's back. We actually swapped out a topic, and it should be better than the last one. That's all coming up today on Lockdown Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast for daily-ish, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever. You are Locked On Cavaliers. Your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. My, my, my. This calls the Kevin Love Show. Justin, what's up, buddy? Are you are you happy to be back talking about the same stuff as you did before? Hashtag release the Rowan cut. You're like the Snyder cut of podcasts in my brain. Well, it, it's funny because I said at the See, end Evan of the podcast... Laughed. I, I feel seen. Evan laughed at my Snyder cut joke. <laughs> I, well, I liked it. I, I just didn't want to laugh because I, I have some answering to do. I said at the end of the podcast that I would come on anytime, No problem. So I, I guess this kind of falls under that umbrella yeah. that I will come on anytime. No matter how many times you want to mess up the recording, <laughs> you can do it. I and just I'll need come friendship. On. I just need companionship and friendship in these trying times, okay? And anybody that listened to our City of champions uh series uh with the chase down knows that i love to repeat myself so this really isn't that much of a burden for me it's funny you mentioned that um i told chris that we should start reading some of our reviews um they said it's a drink drink uh take a drink every time evan starts a sentence or concludes a thought with saying yeah no so it's okay to repeat myself a lot too and you're the only reason you are the always welcome guest of the Chase Down duo is you don't have the excuse of a kid. Uh, yeah, so, not, I'm not. I'm not a breeder. Yeah, and you're not like thing. constantly posting cute pictures of said child on social media for for free likes. Carter, I see you. I see it. I, I doubt Carter's listening, but his yeah, daughter's that's adorable. That Let's is be true. Frank here. Um, can't be a jerk about that. Milk yeah, I, I dig it. I understand it. All right, Justin. We, so we have three topics. Um, the three topics we are going to talk about today. Number one. Trading for Tyson Chandler instead of Shaq, which is something we I think we had fun with when we redid this last time. Number two, we have the Cavs beating the Magic um, that very famous year where they were clearly the best team and then lose to the Magic <laughs> in the Eastern Conference Finals. And also, we're going to talk about Michael Red and signing Michael Red instead of the summer where they signed Larry Hughes and Daniel Marshall. Um, the, the original topic we had last time, just for full clarity here, was going to be missing the George Hill free throw. Uh, we'll talk about that at some point, I'm sure. You know, it's mostly just about the JR meme, but I find, and Justin correctly kind of pointed this out when we did this last time, that the Michael Red thing is very interesting. Um, and I had a, I went down a very deep Michael Red rabbit hole. So whenever we do that one, that segment, I'm going to be very in tune and very amped. But Justin, I'm going to let you. As the guest. Well, no, no, I'm I'm intrigued. You want to start you've Michael done, Red? You've done the research. Okay, let's, right? yeah. okay. I'll start with Michael let's, Red. Yeah, you're you're all jazzed up about okay. it. Let's let's start fresh. I did not realize how freaking good Michael Red was for a couple years there until I went back and watched some clips, watched, um, looked at his basketball reference page, and was it's just like amazing how really good he was. Um, this is a guy that <laughs> was an elite scorer in a lot of 
areas. He could get shots off kind of from anywhere. He was this head of the, a three-point trick. That maybe he leaned into the mid-range. Like he's another one of these guys that when we look at, the, I look at his game and I watch him play. I wonder if he's a guy who's even better a little a little more now, just because he'd probably be encouraged to bomb threes a little bit more. Um, and unfortunately for him, what happens is he has an AC to ACL tear, and then he retears the ACL, and his his career just kind of falls off of a cliff. Um, when I was doing research for this, there was a News Herald article written by the great Bob Finnan, who wrote the the um, hundred thing Cavs fans should know book. He covered the Cavs for a long time. There's a quote um, in this article he had from July 20, 2006. So the Cavs went into free agency with like 28 million to spend, and Bob Finnan talks to Michael Red about this um, at Team USA practice that summer. So Michael Red says, "quote It was very serious." Um, after a practice when we found out the money situation we obviously had to do was best for my family he said but cleveland is home i would have loved to play with lebron james and win a championship it would have been scary playing together he's 26 at this time this is pre-injury he ends up going back to milwaukee for six mm-hmm. years 91 million um he talks about loyalty lebron you know says he's happy to have hughes they signed hughes to five years 60 million so there's a clear money differential there but I look at Michael Red. I look at the type of player he was, and we obviously know now that Larry Hughes did make the impact they hope he would. <laughs> um, <laughs> Michael Red would have been yeah. a freaking awesome first era LeBron running mate. Like that guy would have immediately been the second best player they had at any time during Yo, that first. Era. Absolutely, it would have been an ideal fit alongside LeBron. And there is an interesting domino to this, which is uh, Michael Red being on the books kind of made it necessary for Milwaukee to trade Mo Williams uh, to, to send him to Cleveland uh, for really not a whole lot in return, which was obviously a, it, it was a, a big move at the time and, and changed the team. But a healthy Michael Red is just another level, uh, obviously above Mo Williams and, and would have made a huge difference. Cavs still would have needed to address the point guard situation because you, you don't have Delonte West in, in this scenario. You don't have Mo Williams uh, so you probably have to go find a combo guard, but I, I think that's a, a good problem to have when you, you look at the alternative and some of the plan Bs and Cs that the Cavs had to get through in that first LeBron era. Um, There's some junk. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a player that would really, really benefit playing alongside LeBron and um, would help LeBron as well in, in that he'd be able to absorb some of the usage and just give him the the freedom that he didn't really have in that first uh, Cavs era. Yeah, it, it just feel like the Michael Red recruitment thing was the first indicator of how the first LeBron era went when it came to recruiting. And he actually said um, in a story by Kelly Dwyer from Yahoo Sports, he said, "I recruited before I left here, but I didn't win nothing, so nobody wanted to play with me." And he went on to say that he was able to it was imply share that he recruited Larry Hughes in two thousand five, but he recruited Michael Red, didn't happen. He recruited Joe Johnson, didn't happen. He recruited Chris Bosch, didn't happen. And then the Michael Red thing, at the time it seemed like the right call when they got Larry Hughes and Danielle Marshall and like Justin said, they got Mo Williams out of it as well. But yeah, no, Michael Red would have been a hell of a lot better for both LeBron and the Cavs, and I think that's the problem, like if he didn't go to Miami, he didn't learn, quote-unquote, how to win in his college time there. Um, 
I don't think LeBron would have, wouldn't have been able to recruit anybody because no free agents will really going to come to Cleveland unless they know they're guaranteed a championship. Yeah, and, and, and another what if in all that. So uh, obviously they eventually trade Larry Hughes away, and, and there's that uh, deal with Seattle that brings in Delonte West, brings in uh, Wally Zerbiak and Ben Wallace. God, even Wally Zerbiak, if he could have stayed healthy, would have been a really, really nice add in and kind of showed that they oh, yeah. had the right thought process when it came to surrounding guys. Uh, Just a lot of around luck. LeBron. Yeah, so maybe that's the the sad reality of this what if is Michael Red still likely gets hurt in Cleveland. Um, we're not exactly a fan base that is immune to bad luck. Um, but it's, I, I do think that maybe, maybe some credit should be given to the Cavs that they understood they needed to go get spacing. A lot of the things they did made sense. Uh, Antoine Jameson, even as a stretch four, that made a lot of sense yeah. just for one reason or another, it did not work out. They seemed to understand what they needed to have, but they were operating from a position of weakness when it came to recruiting. And it, when they did add the guys, it just, it, it didn't work out for one reason or another. I just want to point out too that I think Michael, if you get Michael Red, I think the the reason I think if I was going to say if you could redo it, you want him is because I think if you look at we'll get to talk about this when we get to the Orlando segment, but I think Mo New Alabama head head coach Mo Williams, Alabama State head coach Mo Williams, um, is yeah, coaching the Hornets is is a was a really really good player and he was on one of the best Cavs teams of all time champion all that stuff yeah him being your second kind of leading creator type is just like really hard to do even then it's just and when the game is like a little less dynamic than it is now it's just hard to do then if you get michael red this is a guy that if you even if you knock out hit the the season where he only played 33 games due to injury this is a guy that scored over 20 points five years in a row averaged as many as 26.7 um in his career was Posting, you know, shooting almost forty percent from three, mm-hmm. uh, kind of when uh, during his peak volume years. This is a guy that, like, if you go, I'll put some highlights to him in in the in the show notes. If you want to go down like a YouTube rabbit hole, like I did, like there are just some really fun Michael Red, just like getting buckets games. And this is a guy that I think not only helps LeBron and gets you know elevated by LeBron, but I also think this is a guy that like allows you to can. It's one of the the questions of how can you win when LeBron gets his little bit of rest. This is a guy you could run the offense through in a way you probably couldn't with Mo. Um, and you know, I, and I, it also gives yeah. you confidence. It gives LeBron confidence that the Cavs would be able to recruit the help that mm-hmm. he needed. Yes. And I, I mean, the reality was they, they haven't been able to. And no. it's, it's tough when you're not a glamour market. They came back, or LeBron came back because Kyrie was in place and they had the assets to go get a Kevin Love or LaMarcus Aldridge or whoever else they were going to trade uh, Andrew Wiggins for. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those unfortunate situations where even if it didn't work out due to injury, I think it gives LeBron a little more confidence in the organization moving forward. Yeah, and that the summer they try to they end up with Larry, but try to get Michael Red. Like there's Ray Allen's a free agent, Joe Johnson's a free agent. LeBron tries to recruit him, tries to recruit Bosch that summer as well, and then obviously the the contract lines up with Bosch, mm-hmm. where they you know they're same agency as well, all that stuff, but. Um, you know, uh, Kelly Dwyer again wrote this piece at Yahoo, and he talked about how Joe Johnson leveraged the Hawks being wildly obsessed with him to get this sign and trade max deal, and he couldn't have got that from the Cavs without the same machinations. And and there's just like a lot, like, as you as you noted, just like not being able to recruit those guys. Um, Red is Red is Red's a guy that I think is a little lost, and I think we he it, for me I just forgot how good he was. Um, 
I think the overall talent pool of the first time is just overall what if. We talked mm-hmm. about this on the draft one we did with Trevor. Like, there's just a ton of things that they had the right idea, as you guys have both said, and it doesn't work, or they just completely whiffed for whatever reason or tried something at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a question for you, though. The Cavs are also courting... Um, oh, shit. They are courting Larry Brown at the time to be both head coach and director of player personnel and went with Danny Ferry <laughs> instead in late June. Um, think of it this way. We would have never gotten Mike Brown as head coach of the first LeBron era if they somehow got Larry Brown to come to Cleveland instead of New York, and maybe things go differently, but it also could have gone horribly wrong as well. Oh, it could have. That Larry Brown it running a LeBron team. Goes horribly oh, wrong. Yeah, there's no way that works. There's just no way. I have a I shred of optimism still in me. The, the Cavs haven't completely <laughs> killed it. You're, you're a better person than us, apparently, Evan. <laughs> Just but just like imagine like LeBron and like Larry Brown's like just like screaming at him oh. for like no reason. Yeah. You know? No. Like Tough scene. Very, very tough, tough scene. scene. Like Mike Mike for all of his flaws like knew how to like kind coach of coach defense. Like yeah, he knew how to coach defense and he knew like not to like really mess with some of the LeBron stuff in some ways. Um guys, as you I when I wrap up in this mask, you both just give me a name. If you think about all time Cavs, what if LeBron teammates is there one be it Michael Red or Joe Johnson or whomever else in terms of the first era that if there's someone you would have liked to have seen them get is there one name that tops the list above the others well I know which one's going to make everybody sigh and would make myself sigh and yell out if I was listening to this rather than being on the podcast and <laughs> that's Stoudemire yeah that's that's a big <laughs> yeah, one that's... him or Bosch for me I think Bosch would have been big if the LeBron was able to recruit him here because I think I go maybe you get the you get the, the you get the cavils instead of the heatles and all that fun stuff. I, who knows? There's a lot of what ifs. <laughs> if uh, Thundercats featuring there Bosch, you go. yeah, yeah. There you go. I go I go Bosch, but then I think my number two is Red because I I just I'm What's I that? I love the, the spacing they need. Yeah, yeah. Just no, the spacing, it. the the offensive creation stuff. Um, look, Amari. Some of the Amari stuff that comes later with the knees is just, like, inextricable from my head, and especially the big guy. I might be wrong. I might be biased on that. Like, the Cleveland Clinic is a great medical operation, and I trust them more than the Knicks. And but they would make him bathe like, and I, uh, so. Yeah, I don't know if, like, LeBron just becomes a wino, like, way earlier. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, oh. is, are, are there, are there is... any fire extinguishers on the way to the locker room? <laughs> I think um, so, because it's, like, a Celtics health to be. and safety th- regulation. Yeah. I know yeah. there's one at least on, like, the corner down from locker room. See, I was really but... glad, because when you said LeBron becoming a wino early, I was worried Justin's going to say, like, is this, like, a game of girl bathwater thing, but Amari and LeBron, so I'm glad you took the other route, so. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Justin's face right now is classic. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and talk about more what ifs coming up on Lockdown Cats. Today's podcast is brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bars are tasty. They come in 16 amazing flavors, 8 chocolate and nut flavors, 8 chocolate nut-free flavors. They're covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew, and they have a great health profile if you're looking to watch your weight, get your macro, hit your macro protein goals. For example, the protein bar that I love is the peanut butter brownie bar, 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, 3 grams of net carbs. I know Evan's a fan of them as well. Oh, I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm not a keto guy per se, but there's five net carbs usually in 
built bars in general which you know is great for those who are kind of watching their carbohydrate intake and I've said this a million times now, and I'll say it a million times again as a type 1 diabetic, be able to have a sweet treat like that that doesn't make my blood sugar go completely out of whack makes both me and my endocrinologist happy. So if you aren't eating built Bars at this point, I don't know what's wrong with you. Like, they're, they're the best protein bar out there, bar none. Get it? Yeah, bar they, none. <laughs> they just brought back the cookie dough flavor as well, um, and cookie dough is a long staple of the protein bar market, and this is one that actually isn't going to make your mouth dry and make you wonder why you're eating it. So say, check yeah, that out now. Should. Cookie dough is yeah. super gross. Bill Bar isn't. Yeah. Bill Bar isn't. They're great. Um, so check those out now. Again, go to BillBar.com. Promo code locked on. $10 off your first order. Again, promo code locked on for $10 off your first order at BillBar.com. All right, we're back. Justin, what's our next topic? Where are we going here? Are we going Magic? Are we going Tyson Chandler? Oh, uh, God. Let's, let's go with the Magic. Yeah, that, let's just rip that, that, that band-aid off. Yeah, uh, Evan, lead us off here. Where, when, when you think of Cavs magic that season, second to last LeBron year, everything that goes into that, what we don't get in the finals as a result, what 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 pops to you? Um, well, I'm Googling this to give you my age. I think I was 15 or 16 at the time. So, yeah, no, this is the first time I broke a remote over a sporting event. I remember that. Um, I was legitimately, I hated the, it wasn't even Dwight, it was just the Orlando Magic in general, mostly Hito Turkoglu and Richard Lewis, and then, yeah, I preached on this a lot, and I started rambling for a bit, but just, you know, it's a lot of sour grapes knowing that the Magic cheated through that series, and, um, it just... I mean, the one, the one positive that came out of it was that it inspired Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, we got that two years later. That's uh, true. The story of performance-enhancing drugs turning someone the, profoundly the mediocre the, the Wait, re-record was you, the, like reshooting the this podcast the was worth it for this <laughs> so i'm really i mean the timing it lines up just right they, they saw what those performance enhancing drugs did to everyone on that team and it made a difference and it i mean it's unfortunate because we talked about this the 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 first round but the magic were a really tough matchup for the Cavs. they weren't able to do the things that they normally do whereas against the lakers the, the lakers had the versatility to play the magic style um they, they had lamar odom that you, you could put on richard lewis um the, the Cavs didn't really have that luxury and probably were a the the lakers would have been an easier matchup for them i still think the Cavs would have been an underdog um but the magic were just they were a little ahead of their time in the fact that they had basically four out around dwight and uh, they, they had a coaching advantage as well. And it just, it was unfortunate timing. The Cavs got cold at the wrong time. The Magic got um, enhanced and, and hot in that series. And it just didn't work out for them. Enhanced being the key word there. <laughs> yeah. Just as a reminder of this season. So this number one, I think the biggest loss, aside from a potential Cavs title, is we don't get the Kobe-LeBron final. I think mm-hmm. that means even more now obviously with kobe being having died this year and everything that just that those two guys as the the these leading figures in the league for that era and the post jordan i think really would have mattered and we never got it mm-hmm. the Cavs also were really good that year so in the oh, regular yeah. season they have the best net rating in the league at 9.6 per hundred possessions celtics and lakers are second at 7.9 the magic are at 7.1 in the playoffs the Cavs are the best at 9.6 
The Nuggets were second at 9.0, the Lakers at 8.2, and Orlando comes in fourth at 2.0. The Cavs, by a lot of metrics, by a lot of different stuff, by LeBron just being absurd this year, you know, arguably the best team in the league for most of that year, and they run into this this conference finals without having lost a game. Yeah. And then things just completely fall apart in a way that game, like game is crazy. Game one still stings. Game oh, one yeah. still stings because I I remember very vividly Mo hitting the half court shot to go into halftime. It cuts uh, to the broadcast and they're playing Cleveland Rocks and I'm so excited. We're, we're going 12 and 0. Uh, then we're, we got this showdown against the Lakers. This is going to be awesome. And womp womp. I what I think it was it was Delonte that missed a, an open three. Uh, at the end of game one, right? I'm checking now. But... Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, that that one just that that stings. Actually, and uh, it's Delonte missed a three. Then they had an offensive rebound, and Mo missed a shot within 17 feet. <sighs> yep, one of those decisions where. Oh, I I mean I remember that situation because that was the stupid narrative. Even though LeBron made the right decision finding Delonte, it's he didn't take the last shot. And he's not the chosen obviously one. He's he took the, frozen the last one. shot the next game and that worked out well but that's just one of those frustrating situations where you, you find a good shooter open and uh, it just didn't work out going back and reading about this game uh, the end of the series I should say the Cavs Dwight Howard has like 40 in game 6 this is like about peak Dwight Howard we're like 2 years away from the year he maybe should have won MVP um, but this is like around the time Dwight is is the Dwight that we sort of know and understand as like a very very good basketball player, not like a candy eating buffoon. Um, <laughs> his diet's absurd. Yeah, his diet is still the most absurd thing that has ever existed for a professional athlete, and that's like saying something considering like LeBron. The one knock on LeBron is like See, he eats I, like drinks I, banana I, I, shakes gonna, from Swenson's. Like, why are you getting banana, my guy? I'm gonna push back a little bit because you got Lamar Odom who probably ate just as much candy, but also like. Through in crap. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah. The non like drug abuse edition. It's Dwight. <laughs> like, because then you're because if you're going drugs, like you have like the cocaine eighties. Like that's been like one of the one of the 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 rabbit holes I've gone down amid what we're going through in society right now. And the last dance was like the cocaine of the eighties. And there's just like a lot of wild NBA stories of NBA players just doing lots of cocaine. Um, and Dwight, as far as we know, like wasn't. <laughs> Just eating like a lot of like Snickers or whatever, and they had to like restrict him um, on how much candy he could eat. But like LeBron at the end of the series is like just out of gas. There's just like yeah. nothing he can do to kind of carry the team anymore. Um, and it's I I I think about the 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 fam- his maybe most famous game winner is the one from this series, and oh, it's yeah. a mm-hmm. shot that like in contact and in within without the context of the moment. It feels like like a desperation kind of like him doing whatever he can do to save the team kind of game winner to series they're gonna lose. But that shot takes place like very early in the series, and it's like a oh, it's yeah. a shot to kind of get them back sort of competitively in the series. It's not like a wins one a game shot in the arm for the Cavs. Yeah, it's like a shot in the arm. It's a chance for them to get back on track. And contextually, like that's what it was, and blown out of blown from what it is now. Like it doesn't feel like that when I go back and watch it. I instead think of. This is a Cavs team that was like taken out way before its time. Well, it's funny actually when you look at it that a couple of his most iconic playoff moments, like you have that being probably his most iconic shot, and then you have his most iconic dunk, uh, which I would probably argue is the one over KG, mm-hmm. which also came in yeah. this series loss. 
Um, but both of those years, I mean, he... It's funny to hear people say, like, he came up short in that series because I'm pretty sure he <laughs> averaged over 40 points per game or damn near around that. Um, but he was just absolutely out of his mind. And it's unfortunate that Mo Williams had a tough series because yeah. he that that's the, the real difference maker. Because I, I think even with some of the, the fluky things like Ray for Alston's banked in three and, and the things that broke the Magic's way, um, I think if Mo had had a better series, um, it would have given the Cavs a, definitely a better chance at winning the series. Mm-hmm. I, I am happy that he got his redemption. Um, obviously, in 2016, um, Delhi gets benched for the last three games. He's unplayable, and, and Mo gives them some valuable minutes. Um, but it's... It, it's nice to see that come full circle and that to be the end of his uh, playing career. But it, it's I just remember it leaving me with a sour taste in my mouth. And I think people didn't give Mo enough credit because of how uh, that season ended. You guys, okay, so LeBron averages 38.5 points in this game, in this series. Yeah, that's, that's absurd. That's, it, that's he's playing 44 minutes a night, averaging 38.5, and 8-8. It is just an absurd effort by him. Who Mo is the next leading scorer? Do you guys know how many points a game he scored? How do you give me thirteen? More than I'm guessing. More than that. Uh, uh 16. 18.3 mm. shoots, yeah, but only yeah. shoots thirty-seven point one percent from the field. Then the third leading scorer is Delonte West at fourteen point five points per game. Delonte shot forty-four point nine percent from the field. And that's what Delonte did, right? Delonte gives you 13, 14 points per game, very good defense, some secondary playmaking. Um, he was probably the most consistent and reliable guy mm-hmm. uh, for those two years um, outside of uh, off-court incidents. But it's he, he especially, I, I think not enough people give him credit because he, he's a guy, you talk about Michael Red. Uh, Delonte fits uh, the modern NBA very, yes. very oh, well yeah. where you want to have all of your guys to be able to defend, shoot threes, and provide that secondary playmaking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's a shame. Like, I feel like that Cavs team was way ahead of its time, too, because yeah, just it's a lot of good players that really would have worked in today's modern NBA, but it just wasn't meant to be. And we touched on this before, too. Like, that Cavs team was more equipped to take on Boston, and they were not equipped to take on Orlando. Then the following year, they were equipped to take on Orlando, but they ran into Boston instead. And it's just, like, a lot of unfortunate <laughs> timing, period, for that Cavs LeBron the first era of LeBron Cavs team well if it makes you feel better LeBron quit the next year so it didn't matter what they were built <laughs> like, well, that's true <laughs> that, just like the the Rafer Alston bank three haunts me uh LeBron shooting a free throw left hand it will always haunt me yeah that's not what you want at all um no. the other thing that stands out in the series I'm looking at the minutes played so Delonte leads the team in minutes played in the series to 270 LeBron to 266 Moe's at 253 then Z and Andy are both around 175 the net the sixth person is ben wallace he played only 88 minutes in this series <laughs> like you get through these five guys and it just you fall off a cliff into ben wallace daniel gibson a absolutely cooked wally zerbiak sasha pavlovich and joe smith and then one minute one minute for a player named terrence kinsey like unbelievable yeah. uh, I mean, there's, what do you there's want no me depth yeah. it's Oops. so absurd how little depth this team had no. Yeah, it was not great. Well, I just, and then, like you, Chris, you just look at the numbers. How many minutes per night did LeBron average again? Like that's that's the problem the Cavs ran into as well. Is like they ran out of depth, they ran out of options, and 
Yeah, just we didn't have Jamario Moon to give him a bit of a breather. Exactly. Jawad Williams action just for the facsimile of like a six eight body. It's it's wild too that this roster is like two guards, LeBron, and then like big guys, and there's like no mm-hmm. like other wings. Like the Cavs have never had like until you get kind of Richard and stuff like that. They've never had kind of like the wing complimentary types around him, unless you really want to count Sasha Pavlich, which, which which I don't really want to count him for that. No, I wouldn't. Why we? No, no need to. Nope. That. Not at all. Is this for you guys the biggest missed Cavs title chance of the of either LeBron it's era? It's the most pain. Okay. It's the most painful uh, series loss. Yeah. Uh, as a Cavs fan uh, that have gone through, and I don't think anything is going to touch this one as a painful series. I knock <laughs> on wood there, um, because I mean, there's always the the potential for more pain. That's it's a when big Colin part Sexton of being a Cavs fan. When doesn't win sixth consecutive NBA title, we're really going to be bumped. Uh, oh man, if, if he yeah, the, if he doesn't make the rising stars game next year <laughs> as a third year player, <laughs> yeah. he'll just play push. He'll just Ben Simmons can get rookie of the yeah. year second year. I, Justice for Colin. Is, just is it in c- is consider. it in Indianapolis next year the All Star game? Yeah, if it, it happens. So yeah, Colin's just gonna yeah, Colin's just gonna play push outside Bankers Life Fieldhouse if he doesn't. He's gonna get push it. that weight sled from Cleveland Indianapolis just like, just, just to prove just pro- shoot, just pro- just to prove a point. Yeah. I'm grinding, man. I'm just uh, coming up from the bottom. That's what, literally what he said in the draft thing. That guy is unbelievable. But yeah, when he, I love sexy. I need to, I'm, 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 in, I'm in on I'm weirdo sexy. I, lo- I love Trevor's analysis of Sexton. He's like, I love Sexton as a player, but I hate him on this team. <laughs> so, <sighs> but I love him on this team. But Evan, is this Tre- the most? Is this the most painful Cavs miss of all time? This title? It's yeah, not because LeBron leaving kind of felt inevitable. <laughs> yeah, if it, that LeBron leaving felt inevitable the following year um it just kind of felt like the writing was on the wall especially like when justin said he attempted a free throw left-handed and body language police like uh wasn't the greatest greatest at it in high school at the time but um you could definitely tell like he was mentally checked out by the time boston was wrapping up that series and like all right well this is the end and this is gonna really suck and then um we all saw what happened after that yeah so and again i think not having lebron kobe is just like a real all-time bummer yeah yeah for sure, Absolutely. would have meant a lot, I think, and I I would wonder if we ever get like introspective LeBron when he's retired if he talks about that in some way. That's this is one of the series that if I could inject true serum into LeBron for twenty minutes and ask him a bunch of questions that he would just spew the truth. This is probably one of the times I would. Well, Twitter tells me that it is better to lose in the conference finals than lose in the NBA finals. So maybe this was a very good thing for his legacy. Oh, Twitter. You're, you're saying this with just with this deadpan. I'm just like, you're staring at me like you just saw someone die, and it's just, it's not what you want, Twitter. All right, one more break. We'll be back to talk about Tyson Chandler instead of Shaquille O'Neal right after this. All right, we're back here with Justin Rowan. So guys, when we were doing, when I did the research for this episode when we first recorded it, that I did not really either know or remember this Tyson Chandler thing. So at the time, I didn't. I don't, Justin. Did you know about this until? I did okay. not. No. This is no. You 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 opened up an old wound that I didn't even have. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm just. <laughs> Just so someone put me, someone put me under. They cut me. They stitched me back together while I was asleep. I had no idea. I, I, I had never seen it. And then you just came along. And I feel like the the knight in Monty Python, who's like, I, it's just a flesh wound, but he's got his arms and his legs just both hacked off, and he's just like bleeding everywhere. That's how I feel when I open this back up. 
So ESPN at the time, here's, here's the reporting. Quote, the Cavaliers were also in talks with New Orleans about obtaining Tyson Chandler. Quote, if they had not made the trade for O'Neal, they would have traded for Chandler, according to a source. The Cavs believed O'Neal was the better option because he had just one year left on his contract and will not eat up cap space that will enable them to pursue players such as dun, 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 Chris Bosh in next summer's star-studded free agency class. Now, the context of this is Shaq is towards the very end here. He is coming from Phoenix. Um, this is post-Miami. This is, like, not... Shaq, as we sort of would know him as the domineering NBA force. This also is not, this is pre Tyson Chandler 2011 finals hero for the Dallas Mavericks. Kind of funny how that works out. And it's also funny to think about this in terms of the Cavs are like, well, we're going to try to recruit for agents with cap space. And we obviously know how that worked out. And you would wonder at the time, yeah. I think one of the big unknowns here is. Did they think they had a real shot at guys like Chris Bosh? And it seems like they thought LeBron was enough to do that, and then they would learn that that was not true. I mean, I thought at the time. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I, if you have LeBron, it's like you have to think that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, because that's I. I mean, we're seeing it more now, um, but I, I I think I think if this would have happened 10 years later where you're in this exact same situation, I, I think it actually might have been more likely that you'd be able to recruit someone like Bosch. Um, but that just wasn't the case. Uh, player movement was just a little bit different. Um, you, you're starting to see some stars go team up with other stars in, in non-glamour markets. But the, the Tyson Chandler possibility is frustrating because Tyson Chandler would have... The, the biggest thing you can say about him is he's someone that understood his role stayed within that role mm -hmm. uh he's not somebody that you're going to try to do post-ups for um even mike brown wouldn't do that and it would save mike brown from himself because if you use Shaq in a reduced role and, and similar to like let's say what ben wallace was doing before um then, then it's an upgrade but because they kept throwing it in and trying to force feed him and, and trying to get him to be the, the Shaquille O'Neal of old it just never worked out mm -hmm. and it was just one of those frustrating situations where it did more damage to team chemistry and the way that they worked uh, than it did good yeah no I agree I think the Cavs trying to stroke Shaq's ego definitely played a huge downfall and that and the fact that just Shaq wasn't really able to stay healthy in Cleveland. Um, I don't remember if you guys remember this, but I remember when Shaq went down after he had surgery. They showed him sitting on the bench, and he lost like a ton of weight. And I'm like, okay, well that's that's definitely not Shaq anymore. That's what I realized. Like, yeah, no, this is this ain't gonna work, Chief. Because I was a super casual fan when Shaq was traded to Cleveland, and I was through the roof excited because Shaq was one of my favorite players, but unbeknownst to me that Shaq was totally washed at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I just would have rather have the power of hindsight, and like Justin said, I never knew this happened, so Chris just opened a wound for all of us. Uh, yeah, I'd rather take Tyson Chandler, who um, was pretty good for Charlotte after his last year in New Orleans and then ended up being a really awesome player for Dallas, and, you know, interestingly enough... Uh, played a part in beating LeBron that first year with Miami and um he, if you want to know yeah. how Tyson Chandler would work look at how effective JJ Hickson was as just a role man with LeBron and imagine him actually being good and having a bigger catch radius and being able to finish in the pick and roll at that level it would have been such a natural fit um and, and really really would have helped the, the Cavs a lot mm -hmm. And it's very frustrating that Chris put this reality into my life because I just, 
I, I was a Cavs fan, but I, I guess I just wasn't reading as, as much on, online and was unaware of this. So, thanks, thanks, Chris. Yeah. Really, Chris. really appreciate it. And I appreciate you making sure that the audio was lost. So, <laughs> so he relives it a second time. This is even more excruciating <laughs> than the first time on it. Like the first time, we both just we all just kind of glossed over it. It was kind of like the magic series way to sound. This is like the wound this time. It is. No, no, I, absolutely. This this is very, very frustrating because normally when I say something for the first time, my mouth is just moving, but I'm not actually retaining anything I'm saying. This time, <laughs> this time is the time that really stings and really, really drives the point home. So so thank you for that, so, Chris. The other funny thing looking back about this is number one, I'm looking at the SI cover, which I made this joke last time, I'm just gonna make it again. It, the cover is LeBron with like with it pointing at the camera. He's like pushing LeBron back, and LeBron's standing like, with his arms crossed. And the the headline is "Watch out!" Exclamation point. Stars align in Cleveland and Boston and LA. The the other thing about this as cover that SI cover that I had not realized until now, and this is not this is not aged well at all. Plus is the little like there's a little stripe on the bottom, a little call out to another story in the magazine. Joe Paterno and the gift of football. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the world we lived oh. in at the time but yeah it's uh yeah there's like a joe paterno big joe tough paterno scene. story <laughs> this issue tough scene yeah, tough look for this you si cover like go for the trifecta and talk about how tiger woods is a family man and just completely ruined <laughs> my childhood you know what it, it is nice <sighs> when your disappointing si cover isn't the most disappointing part of the cover like we just did, didn't work out as a basketball team um but like the this is going to be fun lakers at least they didn't have like something about oj being a family man or whatever the equivalent would be for that time um yeah yeah i'm glad that we were kind of uh put in the in the passenger seat or even the back seat to the joe paterno so yeah i I just like didn't notice that and i clicked the image of the cover and then i'm just like is that joe paterno and it's it's joe paterno um Still, one of my favorite photoshops is putting Kendrick Perkins' face over Shaq in there. <laughs> oh, oh, Kendrick Perkins. The, the help that was Kendrick needed. Perkins making a real pivot from trying to play with the Kenton charge to get inside an NBA front office to Kendrick Perkins' media person. Listen, he follows me on Twitter. I'm never going to say a bad thing about that man. Because he's got time. He has he, time. Come get you. Um, get Let me ask you this. Um, speaking of Perk. Would you be more scared if Perk hopped up in your mentions, Justin, or Kevin Durant? Because let's be honest, out of the three of us, you have the most clout on Twitter. Yeah, you're the most likely of us to get the Matt Moore, like KD is just randomly in your mentions for seven straight days treatment. Oh, yeah, it'd be so weird if KD was in my DMs. That'd be a strange thing. No, you know what? I feel I feel like I uh, I feel like I could handle KD. Um, it's... I. KD, I, I think I understand it, as a fellow person that gets way too into his own head. Kendrick Perkins just scares the hell out of me. That's fair. That's fair. So you think um, he'd give you the Jay Crowder treatment is what you're trying to tell me? Correct. Okay, correct. okay. Yeah, yeah. That's all I need. I th- I, I'd put some money on Rowan. <laughs> I mean, the, the closest thing I've ever really had to an NBA player coming for me uh, was Rudy Gobert uh, <laughs> liking... <laughs> 
liking my tweet when I said, oh, uh, when they drew the first round matchup against Houston, I said, oh no, Rudy Gobert has to leave the paint in the first round. That's a tough break for Utah. And he favorited that. And he was waiting. He was waiting for them to beat Houston. And of course, he was a total liability in that series because he had to leave the paint and he unliked that. <laughs> Listen, are you talking about Defensive Player of the Year, Rudy Gobert, who shut down an entire league? Put some respect on that man's name. This is true. Oh, Draymond's mom came for me. She was listening and live tweeting one of our podcasts. Getting <laughs> all over me. That was great. Uh, Draymond. Huh. Shout out Babbers. Yeah, no chill. But to to get back to Tyson Chandler real quick before we get out of here. It's a noble if he's Tyson Chandler that we sort of understand, right? Like that is the that is the big unknown with this. Like this is this Tyson Chandler is not like 2011 Mavericks Tyson Chandler. But the idea of like my, if there's a coach in a situation that makes sense for him at this time, it's Mike Brown like good coaching defense guy and then playing behind LeBron James I'm in on that and I'm in on that over Ben Wallace minutes over you know kind of older Z minutes like all that stuff he would have been minutes better than Shaq minutes obviously like there's just a lot to like if you can have Tyson Chandler there and it's the right age there's just you know you wonder if that works out and you can get the most out of him then and, and what that looks like I mean that's that's a Dwight defender. As soon, as soon as he started, as soon as he was healthy, he was a very, very effective player. And that, like that, that New Orleans team was well built as well. Like they, they had injury issues, um, but they, they made a ton of sense. Um, and yeah, it's just it's one of those things where I, 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 I miss that era of the NBA because I feel like teams had their star. You try to build around those stars, and if those teams came up short, the solution was okay. Uh, the existing players we have have to improve at this, that, and the other thing. Um, let's get a couple more role players to accentuate what they do well. Now it's like halfway through the season. If you lose one marquee game or play one bad game, it's either your star has to leave to a bigger market or you need to go get a star if you are a glamour market. Thanks, and it, yeah, yeah it, <laughs> it, it seems like the, the quick fix era, whereas... A lot of these teams just kind of just need a Tyson Chandler. You just need a guy to help get you over the hump. Yeah, no, I think that's really that is something I miss is just the level of patience people had for waiting things out. Like, yeah, no, that's I think maybe social media thanks is partially Twitter. to blame for that. Yeah, thanks Twitter. Thank you, Chris, for backing me up on Smoke this. Smoke more weed, two K twenty. Okay. Well, well then, yeah, then I, there is if if it's legal, or yes, there is yeah. also something to just like. If I'm if I'm the Cavs, I can also like look back at this and understand the Shaq thing because again, this is not too long after he helps Miami. There's reason to think he's declined, like, and he's not the same Shaq and and all that stuff. But and this was his second to last season. He would play 37 games the next year with Boston, and then that was the end of his career. Um, averaged 17.8 points um, with Phoenix, I believe, the year before. Yeah, and then only go with 12 with the Cavs. So it definitely was not the same Shaq, but considering he'd won a title with Miami not that long before and like his you you'd think and just him being Shaq I get it it's easier to say this in hindsight no, like I can understand it and it's like if anyone owns a Shaq jersey like that's kind of a cool random thing to have like that that's a, that's a cool jersey I would want to have in my closet yeah and the first time I got to see the Cavs play live was that season I got to see Shaq and that was really cool um the here's the thing with Shaq I almost feel like it's kind of similar to when we traded away Jordan Clarkson this year, where it's like, you know what, still an effective player in the right role, but his presence is kind of holding other guys back. And you saw 
Sexton take off after Clarkson was gone. KPJ got more reps. John Bailey fell apart. I feel like Shaq's presence played into all of Mike Brown's worst tendencies yeah. as a coach. Mm-hmm. And that that was the real issue, is that his skill set did not fit the Cavs, and Mike Brown wasn't even going to attempt to get him to buy into another role because Mike Brown wanted to post him up. He wanted to get those type of reps. And sometimes you... I think Mike Brown's a good coach. I, I think he's a better assistant than a head coach. Mm-hmm. But if your coach has flaws, you do not want to kind of... Uh, feed into the worst tendencies they have. And I, I really think that that was the downfall of the Shaq era was it fed into the worst tendencies of Mike Brown. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. I, there probably is just something that, like, you can't tell Shaq to do one thing because he's Shaq. Right. No, his ego, yeah. he's stroked, and it's... I mean, he knew he was washed at that point and was ch- ring-chasing, clearly, but... Shaq the player, or Shaq the persona could not get out of the way of Shaq the player even in the final moments of his career, so. Womp, womp. Yeah. Uh, but it's a tough end for Shaq. Well, that's going to be for this episode of What If. Um, Justin, we talked about three pretty big ones. Any other ones you want to throw out there as we got here? Last time this spawned Michael Red. I was about to say, this is an asshole move because last time I said Michael The audio Red is recording I this time. Him. I can verify this. I've been checking... I've been checking Every time I am not talking, because if I have to be like, hey, Justin, I messed up the audio again, uh, you're going to fly from Winnipeg and be like, hey, A, reimburse me for my flight, coward, and B, you're going to smack me. So I guess the only other what if is basically uh, does Amon Shumpert's shot in game one of 2015 go in, and what does that change? Um, Because if it goes in, Gaz win game one. Kyrie obviously doesn't get hurt in overtime. Maybe he breaks down later in that series. Hurt that but, Kyrie, but Kyrie breaking down um, really, it, it soured the relationship between he and LeBron because LeBron doesn't understand a player having an injury um, or not being able to play through it. And Kyrie felt like he put himself in danger by playing through it. And that kind of started the end at, right at the beginning. Uh, so that's the only other one I, I can think of as you put me on the spot because now this podcast holds my alternate, which was the Michael Red one. Hmm. Chris, what my, about you? Mine are yeah. all older. It's just going back and learning about some of those early '90s teams and stuff. It's like, what if you know? What if Jason Lloyd wrote about this at the Athletic? It's like, what if Jordan's shot doesn't go in? You know, I think about what if Brad Doherty doesn't break down the way he did and kind of has a longer career. Um, I, those are kind of big ones in terms of the non-early stuff. I and I and I will always, I think, forever think just about if the Cavs had just not drafted like absolute crap around LeBron the first time, just what that mm-hmm. would have meant. I, I think about the infrastructure of that a lot because it always like they were playing from behind to try to fix holes. That what if Luke Jackson was healthy? What if the or Cavs... like you just get someone who has a pulse like get that pick? You know, like <laughs> just a bit. My Evan, any is... others? My my other one is a, is probably like what if you don't fire Ty Lue and just kind of seeing like if you could have stuck like some of the stuff JR and Channing said recently is I think very interesting and I would like to know what happens if you kind of actually lean into that plan that they apparently pitched all the vets on I just think that's interesting Uh, Evan what about you uh what if the Cavs won the coin flip to get Anthony Davis how different would that team no 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 Evan Evan we won the coin flip we should have lost the coin flip because the combination we got lost the the combination we got apologies wasn't Conrad present for that? I, th- I feel like he was yeah, present for that lottery. I think so. I'm, I'm going to blame this yeah, on Conrad. Yeah, Conrad, this is your fault. 
He he hasn't caught a stray in a while, so let's <laughs> let's let's throw one his way. There you go. Yeah, that's yeah no, that's that's like what, what will the trajectory of the team be at that point? Because you'd have a team that is Kyrie, Tristan, AD. Um, there's no Dion, obviously. Uh, a lot of the draft strategy probably changes going forward, and then imagine a team that has a young Anthony Davis, a young Kyrie, and a LeBron on it. Because I think LeBron would be pretty. Co- I don't know. Maybe he would still try to f- force a trade. Maybe Kyrie would be the third one out then. And maybe they try to flip him for a different player. Who knows? There's a lot of what ifs if the Cavs land AD instead of uh, Dion in that draft. Yeah, that's that's probably right. Uh, Justin, thanks again for coming on and giving us a read here. Just give everyone an idea uh, if they aren't already following you, and it'd be weird if they aren't following you on Twitter. And, and tell everyone just about the City of Champions if they haven't listened yet. Yeah, don't follow me on Twitter if you don't have to. I mean, it's not the best time, but if, if you want to, it's just follow me fun. at Cavs Canada. Slap. Uh, calves in Canada, and that's that's basically how you get there. Looks a whole lot better in writing than it does out loud. And uh, yeah, um, so City of Champions was a seven-part series that uh, Carter and myself did on the Chase Down podcast. So go check that out if you haven't already. Uh, we had some really great guests on there. Uh, we had Jason Lloyd, uh, Larry Nance Jr., uh, Bomani Jones, uh, Marcus Thompson, Ethan Strauss. Uh, it was a ton of fun. Uh, basically, we went big picture on all all the games. We used each game as kind of a vehicle to talk about the, the larger meaning uh, behind the series and had a lot of fun doing that. And we're talking about some draft stuff and all that. So, uh, as I like to say, sports coverage is a buffet. Uh, so, if you already have Locked On Cavs as part of your uh, buffet uh, strategy, throw in the chase down. Help, help us out. Go that check us out. so many different ways. I thought you were going to dig at me. I'm like... No, no, uh, <laughs> I'm 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 not I'm not going to come on your podcast and dig at you, Evan. Oh, well, I come on yours and do that all. Actually, that's not true. The first day, the day we announced that I was joining LOC, we were very cordial with each other. Then I started the beef. So yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 aware of this beef <laughs> that you're attempting. And just for the record, so, someday someday you'll give me something to work off of. You know, it's right now. It's just a little little out there, listen, a little corny. Listen. You're you're not you're not setting me up for dunks, and I, I'm very upset with that. Yeah. Just for the record. No beef from, from, from me. No, no, no. That's, Chris and I are cool. Chris and I are cool. That's, that's fair. Yeah, that's that's fair. With Carter, though, you know. Mm. Oh, yeah. Just posting pictures of can his you, child. Can you swear on this? Yeah. yeah. F Carter. <laughs> Carter, who still, for whatever reason, is your Zoom photo when you show up on my screen. You know what that? You want to know No, I know. You told me that? that it's because you, you he used the login. Yeah, he's using it for work, and and he took he was ballsy enough to change the picture to himself, which is, is very weird. If someone and with the shit grin, with the shit eating grin too, it's not even yeah, yeah unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. If someone gave you their Netflix, would you create your own? No, it would be inconspicuous. <laughs> Carter gave me his Carter gave me his Disney Plus, and I made one. Oh, yeah. I made no, a profile. See, for that, see, that's polite etiquette because it's like if you're both, let's say, watching The Mandalorian, you don't want to mess up his Mandalorian viewing. You want to be on your own path. Like if he's watched three of them and you've only watched one, you don't want to like mess that up on accident. That's just polite. I can't believe I can't believe I was shitting on him for something. No, 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 no. Well, Carter, you're no, 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 no. just being polite when you make your own profile. It's Canadian nice. There you go. Yeah, you're being polite, Justin. I don't know what's wrong. Carter's the, Carter literally like is trolling you with that picture. Yeah, you're 100%. right. All right, that's going to be it, everyone. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again to Bill Barr for sponsoring the show. We'll be back with the book club on Friday, and we'll talk to you then. <laughs>